Recorded live. You're now tuned into the VMware Community Podcast, your number one source on VMware news and updates. Interviews with V experts, product updates, new launchings, VMware events, and much more. Join the conversation now live with Eric Nielsen. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you were listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 639. My name is Eric Nielsen. With me today, I have my favorite co-host, Corey Romero. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. Corey, how's it going? Eric, it's going really, really well. I actually just tabbed over to uh, the podcast screen here since we started, and I noticed you're in the office. Very, very cool to see yeah, yeah I, very cool to see. We are uh, running CTAB, and the interesting thing about the office here is that all the trees have grown up an extra 10 feet since I've yeah. been here, so you can barely see the mountains now because we got all, I'm like, give me my chainsaw. I want to see the mountains. <laughs> the whole new campus. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, excited to be here. How's everything going out, uh, out there in Utah? What's new with VExperts? Things going well in Utah. We are uh, actually in the middle of a storm this entire week, so lots of new snow coming in. Um, VExpert updates, I've got a couple here. So uh, we've got an upcoming webinar on HCX SaaS solution called HCX Plus. The date hasn't been scheduled yet, but that will come out in the next few days. Um, HCX licenses for VExperts have been approved and will be going out to your customer connect portal through the VExpert application, um, hopefully this weekend. Um, for content sharing, I put out an email. So uh, if you want to share your VExpert content, uh, go read that email. Um, there's two different things you can do there. You can share it in Slack and the content sharing channel. And you can also put it into advocacy for sharing and channel growth. Um, if you don't know what advocacy is, I did put a link in there for a, uh, a training uh, webinar that Noel Greer and myself did. And, um, you know, we're on the V Barbecue podcast. So want to talk about barbecue for a second. The VX, the VMware Explore V Expert Party slash community party um, that we're currently planning, um, we're looking to have that at the Pinball Museum. So if you're a V Expert and you remember the Pinball Museum, this was the place where we had the flamethrowers shooting up and the best barbecue in all of Las Vegas. It's actually the best barbecue I have ever had. And I do consider myself a barbecue connoisseur. Yeah, I would say that uh, it's important to call out, too, that uh, the Pinball Museum moved to a much bigger Pinball Museum yes. location right across the street from uh, the MGM Grand, I think it is. So you can walk it to it from the strip this year. So should be easy for everybody to get to. And, uh, you know, it is a much bigger building with more stuff. So it should be a lot of fun. They also, we've been talking to them. They have party rooms so that we can, you know, have a room that people can go in and get the food. We don't have to be out in the back parking lot like we were back in the day. <laughs> well, that was fun. We didn't have tables. So it is a much better environment for us to run a big event like this. And I know that we're also talking about bringing in the Tanzu people and the VMUG people to make it kind of like one big, you know, uh, community gala with all yep. the experts, everybody together. So I'm looking forward to that. We've talked about having Ragu come and uh, reach out, reaching out to them. So a lot of excitement there. If you haven't gotten your uh, your Vegas travel plans for VMworld this year, you definitely should do that. And, uh, you know, not that I'm saying anything but even if you just flew into vegas for the party you know you can't get the two thousand dollars for the ticket for for the explorer yep. just going and getting yourself a cheap flight and coming in for the tuesday night uh, pinball museum you know i'm sure would be worth it on its own right so i think that's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna fly in for the party and i'm going home yeah just uh, that's, that's, that's it no there's gonna be a lot of good that's stuff um, great. I've been talking uh, to, you know, people, uh, upper management, and they are all in for Explore this year. Let me tell you, they are like, we're going to fund everything. I can announce that we're going to do the hackathon this year. We got funding for it. So, um, you know, I, I feel like the needle is pegged back, right? This feels like 2019. Like, they're, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I feel the same exact way just on the conversations and the energy um, around the conversations and meetings we've had about Explore, I'm, I'm getting the same feeling that this is going to be this is going to be a really really great year for the show. 
And, you know, it's a weird thing because the tech world has kind of like, you know, we talked and had some layoffs and that kind of stuff, Google and Facebook and all that. What I found is that was reflective of what last year's environments were like. So I think it took everybody a year. They're like a year lag. And now I feel like the, the pedal is back to the metal, right? In yeah. tech. And like there's going to be a year lag before the hiring and all that stuff works us through the system. But I would say there's a lot of energy across the board. I'm not sure if maybe the world has rotated back to IT on-prem, multi-cloud, hybrid cloud. Like I feel like we're in the center of everybody's thought process now, right? Where it rotated into the, like pure cloud. And now I feel it's coming back to multi-cloud and hybrid cloud. And like, you know, and, and people are seeing the value of VMware in managing the multi-cloud yeah. environment. And that's a good lead into what we're going to be talking about on, on today's podcast. We have Steve Lord, uh, who is product line manager at VMware, and he focuses on multi-cloud uh, services uh, in particular, we're going to be talking about Oracle today. So I'm uh, excited about that to have Steve on the podcast. Before we go to Steve, anything else? You know, obviously, VMworld US, you know, is out there. You can, uh, the call for papers are out. Uh, VMworld Europe uh, call papers are coming out, I think, uh, sometime in May or, you know, somewhere. I will get that date for the next show. So a lot of activity in the call for papers happening, submissions. Uh, I don't think V Brown Bag has done. Uh, the post for the call for VMTN the brown bag sessions yet, uh, but we're getting that up. That should be up in the next week or two uh, so that you, if you want to do a community session, we'll have a lot of slots. We're going to have the community theater. We're going to have two separate theaters, the community theater and the code theater. So uh, we're going to have code labs this year. We're going to do the hackathon this year. So plenty of places to submit your ideas for papers. So, you know, start your piggy bank, start putting quarters in it. If you're a community guy, uh, because you definitely want to come to Vegas this year. And you know what, Corey? We're just going to go crazy because it's Vegas, right? Yep, like, absolutely. I think we did, I'm excited. We did as much crazy as we could afford last year. But this year, upper management is like, yeah, we want to pay for all the we're, – we're giving you money to do stuff. So should be a lot of fun. Excited about that. And with that, let's get on with the guts of the podcast. Corey, thanks for a lot for yep. stopping by. Awesome. Thank uh, you. Steve, as uh, if you've ever been on the podcast before, if you're new, we always start with like, because we're a community podcast, who are you? Uh, what's your career arc look like? How long have you been doing what you've been doing? What do you do for VMware? You know, just give us a sense of, you know, you have five minutes here. Tell us who you are and how you got here. Sure. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks, Eric. Uh, again, appreciate being on the podcast. Uh, first time caller and uh, happy to be here for you guys. All right, so to so I'm a product line manager here at VMware. I've been here for about a year and a half now. And I guess to get to this trajectory, first you have to get a degree uh, in aerospace engineering where you graduate during a recession and your aerospace engineering field is dead. And so you, you wander in the wilderness for a few years. And then luckily enough, you kind of have a brother-in-law who says, you know, I'm in IT, Steve, you should try to go into IT. And so that's what I did. I, I switched my careers. You know, you kind of volunteer uh, to do extra IT work at the company you're working for and kind of ground roots and learned how to do, you know, server administration and everything else. And uh, that's that's kind of how I started that. And then lo and yeah, behold, so, and around. So go ahead. So I got a question on you on this because, you know, we do this question for everybody that comes on the podcast. And we've been doing this podcast weekly for, you know, 15, 14 years. So we, we're at 639 episodes. And we hear, I've heard 600 different stories of how people get it. And they're all the same, which is, you know, I was a I was this and now I, I found that I really like that and you, my career didn't work out where I thought it was going to go for whatever reason. So the question for you is when you were growing up as a kid, maybe into your teens, like were you a tinkerer? Did you like to kind of, you know, solve problems and be kind of with you looking at I did. things and solving them, right? So Yeah, I did. I did. You know, at first I thought, okay, maybe I'll try to go into software. You know, it's one of those things I had. My first computer was like really a Commodore 64, right? So that dates me a little bit. But, you know, it's kind of like I look at one of those magazines and be like, oh, here's this language. Just see if you can mimic this and type that in and, and try to program something. So, yeah, I, you know, it, we all have that same history. I think if you're an IT guy, uh, you've, you've come a 
large percentage of us have come up through that. I had I, I had gotten a Commodore 32, uh, and I, I used it for about a couple, three weeks, and I was like, the Commodore 64 came out, so I unscrewed the screws, <laughs> I the motherboard. I think I went to Kmart, and I bought a Commodore 64, brought it home, and then I took the motherboard out and swapped them and returned the Commodore 64 with a Commodore 32 motherboard. <laughs> 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 That's great. Yeah. So uh, it was, and, and it's one of those things that, you know, if you're an IT person, it's probably you were taking things apart, trying to solve things. And and for me, this is the best career in the world because you get to stay geeky uh, and then, you know, get to play with hardware and, and then get to implement things. So I, I yeah. really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, you ended up at VMware. I think you were IT administrator for it in, in Spain. Yeah, multiple years. My first my first version of VSX was 2.012. So I remember uh, way back in the day, it was probably around 2003, I had to think, is when, uh, when we started working on that. So we always say that the best people at VMware were the best people, best customers, right? So who recruited you in? Where did you work before you ended up getting recruited to the to the dark side and coming to the... the coming to the vendor? Yeah. Yeah. So I worked uh, for a service provider called Axiom, who has since then <laughs> rebranded to Insono. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so yeah, so I started working in the managed services world. So the IT company I worked for, where I first started learning ESX, they outsourced their entire IT department to a service provider. Actually, the best thing that ever happened to me. Sounds a little bit scary, but it actually worked out really well for me because uh, then I got to get exposure to all kinds of different technical, you know, and technology and different services. Right. And I started really delving into the service provider field, and and I started asking a lot of business questions of people, and they're like, Steve, you know, you sound like somebody that should go into solution architecture and become a solution architect. And I said, okay, that, that sounds really good. I like building things. It kind of goes back to my engineering, you know, wanting to do engineering related work. And so went into that, did that for about two years. And then they split our team apart into product management and solution architecture. And I followed the product side because I started getting more involved in the business. I started uh, really wanted to understand, you know, the finances, the margins, pricing, customers, working with marketing. Uh, but still having some roots into that technology piece, right? So it's starting to take the technology and the things you're building uh, that really have that technology foundation and then bring it out to your customers. And, you know, for me, product management is, you know, the epitome, you know, that that's the best of everything, right? It, it's the, the ultimate, you know, if you, you don't, you're never bored, there's always something you can work on uh, that's going to make your day different. Right. So, you know, it could be a good customer working with them. Uh, so meeting with customers to find out what their wants and their needs are and getting some good feedback, things to enable nice. to make your product better. Um, yeah. And then working with the engineering teams and everyone else. So that's product management's a great field for people that want to get into it. Very fun. So let's talk about uh, where you're at now and what you're working on and why you're here, which is multi-cloud services and Oracle. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I guess I guess I'll, I'll I'll come up with a premise. You can you can validate it for me, and then uh, and then we can go into what you guys are offering. For me, the multi-cloud services bit is more of the same, right? Which is when I started, we had racks and machines, data center. I operated a data center. We started to virtualize it, and you know I'm basically virtualizing hardware and racks, right? You know, and I'm like, wow, this is great. Then I can be motion things around, and I can manage my servers by you know by, with VMs, and I can abstract out the hardware from the payloads, right? And it's like mm -hmm. okay, and then I have multiple racks in a data center, and that's that was pretty much my life, right? Um, I look at today, and I don't really see anything different in the multi-cloud. You have cloud operators, right? You know, whether it's Azure, Oracle, or IBM, or you know, Amazon, or others. You know, Alibaba, and then you have my payloads, and I have my operating system workloads, and I kind of just want to do the same thing. I want to have a layer of software that allows me to abstract out my payloads from the hardware that it's sitting at. Now that's an oversimplification, but I feel like when we talk about multi-cloud and multi-cloud managed multi-cloud services, I don't see the there. I just see like it's a vSphere layer across multiple clouds that I can actually then abstract out the dependency on the cloud vendors, you know, hardware at any given moment, right? So Yeah, you you kind of nailed it pretty well there. I will I will tell you that what's different now about working with the multi-cloud and working with the different hyperscalers that you touched on. Uh, is now the global approach, right? So you are your business, you are in your data center and maybe you had multiple data centers with your company. 
But now when you start adding in the hyperscalers, I can go anywhere in the world, right? And I can have that VMware environment anywhere in the world and I can get it up and running relatively quickly. So it's it's more than the multi-cloud really is enables uh, almost from a business perspective. Uh, I don't have to go and try to find a data center. I don't have to find a colo facility. I don't have to buy Dell hardware and stand it up in some other location around the world. I can go out to one of these hyperscalers, one of these VMware related hyperscalers and spin up a VMware environment and know that my applications that are running in my own on-prem data center will work in that hyperscaler location. Uh, you know, from uh, and that's part of what we're doing with Cloud Director Service. So it's the Cloud Director capability. It's it's really a layer that sits on top of vCenter, if you will, and it's managing. It's it's enabling a cloud-like look and feel for those end users that want to use a cloud solution. So people that are already used to using, let's say, Amazon EC2, go and spin up an Amazon EC2 instance. Uh, we're doing that with VMware environments. So I can go in very self-service oriented, very multi-tenant oriented. So I'm a developer and I have applications. I can log into the Cloud Director portal uh, and see what applications that I have cataloged already for me or spin up raw new images. I could deploy those workloads out through the UI into any multiple different clouds I want to. And so it's one portal in which to go in and log into and be like, oh, do I need to run this in my on-prem data center? Do I need to run this in Amazon? And why would I want to do some of these different hyperscalers? Well, well, maybe I have an application that's running in vSphere, but I want to have it communicate with new native application development that I've also done. And so now I have this low latency connection between uh, an Amazon EC2 instance talking with a VMC on AWS VMware-based virtual machine that has applications running there, and they could be right next to each other. Uh, and, and you're able to do that with our different software elements. And then give it that layer of multi-tenancy. So, and it's what's interesting about multi-tenancy too is that uh, that's not just for service providers. So, you know, the big service providers, they'll have their own tenants that'll come in. Those tenants might be competitors to each other, like a Coke and Pepsi type of situation. Uh, right, they can run on the exact same equipment, but never know that they're even there, right? Because the VMware software, the NSX layer, the Cloud Director software service, that's separating those two. But it's really enabling that service provider to to leverage that environment and leverage their own services on top to be able to give clouds to the Coke and Pepsi developers, right? They can do self-service capability to go in and deploy their own applications. And the same holds true for enterprise customers. Well, they'll have different lines of business. So your corporate IT scenario, that we've enabled that corporate IT person to be a cloud provider to their own business. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, you know, when you recognize this, I can see the software engineers as they're building this, right? And, you know, you kind of have vCenter that allows you to have multiple data centers plugged in and you got all your ESX servers exposed and that. And then and then we're building, now then we set we build a new app and then we're building the objects that represent your vCenters or your, v, your ESX servers in these different places. And then you realize that when you start to build repository or object groupings of these guys that you can actually do multi-tenancy and offer the, the enterprises that are using director like these buckets that are their own buckets of you know capacity that's that are right. running in the clouds right and then running multiple and you start realizing in software you can build this whole domain architecture of these buckets of things and it scales right and you're like wow we've got a product that actually could do this and then you build it and then then there it is right yeah you can give them quotas, uh, you know, if it's a development group that's running a lab environment, let them go crazy in the lab and not have it impact the rest of the environment, right? So you can have these different virtual machines running on the same physical hosts, but you don't have that noisy neighbor capability, right? So you can really lock and isolate people into their own little world, their own little domains, do whatever they need to do there, uh, but not impact, you know, production systems that are, could be running uh, right next door. So, so is, is your product, your product line manager, is Director your one of your products that you manage? Yeah, Cloud Director Service. And okay. so, yeah, if you were to talk, if we were to have this conversation on last year, I would say Cloud Director Service is UniCloud, not multi-cloud, right? We were just VMware Cloud on AWS. And so what we, the real core of 2022 was to expand into the multi-cloud world, right? So uh, GCVE, be able to use it for on-prem environments. We had a Azure VMware solution, AVS, 
And then just this past December, we enabled it for Oracle Cloud VMware solution. So that's, that's uh, you know, we, we've kind of really built out that multi-cloud uh, fabric because, you know, if you think about it, every company has their own, you know, who are we a big partner with? Are we a big uh, Microsoft shop that we want to use Azure? Are we a big Amazon that we want to use, Am you know, VMC on AWS? Are we an Oracle shop that we want to use OCVS? So that usually from a business perspective now, there's usually a really good business driver, whereas some, why somebody wants to uh, go to one of those hyperscalers. It's not always, you know, what are the capabilities, but more, a lot of times it's also a business driver. Yeah, I, I, I know that uh, I've been uh, using Alibaba, right? Not for cloud services, but I'm using Alibaba for other stuff, right? And all of a sudden, Alibaba starts marketing to me their enterprise package, right? They thought, oh, you know, if you're if you're purchasing this stuff on Alibaba, great. If you're um, if you're uh, selling stuff on Alibaba, that's also great. Oh, if you want to host stuff on Alibaba, that's also great. We'll give you the whole deal. And then they're calling their account reps, calling me, going, Hey, how would you like to? do all this stuff. I didn't, I don't want to do that. I just bought some stuff on Alibaba, but I could see if I were running a business and you start getting these deals for a particular cloud vendor that maybe because you're using it for other places, you get packages. And I know that VMware has done this where we bundle up things. We give you discount on cloud services and all this stuff because we're doing other business with you. And so I might really like running on AWS, but I might consider Alibaba and then I don't want to leave vSphere. So all of a sudden I do have the need to manage you know, different cloud relationships just because I have different business relationships with different providers of services. Right? Yeah, and, and to even add even more complexity, it really starts becoming true multi-cloud. Uh, you might have developers that really need to develop something in Amazon, but your business really wants to do core work in Azure. So now you're, you have your on-prem data center, which isn't going away anywhere anytime soon, if ever. You know, then you have workloads that are running in Azure and workloads that are running in Amazon. Now I have three different types of environments in which I really need to start to, you know, how do I manage and maintain that, right? It's hard, you know, developers, all right, I got to use Amazon tools to go on Amazon. I got to use maybe Azure tools to go on Azure. I got to use VMware tools to go into VMware. You know, Cloud Director Service is one of those tools that kind of is an overlay across all those environments. You know, one tool to kind of go in, log into, and see all your different workloads and to be able to deploy into those workloads. And anything you could do within the user interface, you could do with APIs as well. So we're very API friendly, uh, especially for the developer world. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're getting a lot of feedback that this is that they, this is all becoming important, right? Like that, that people are actually buying into this model. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, business reasons, right? So if you don't want to spend the CapEx anymore, people that are wanting to leave the data center. So you see that a lot in the enterprise world, right? The the data center is more of a cost center than it is a profit center. And so, hey, if I if I don't want to spend the CapEx and I'd rather spend, I'll get a little financial geeky, want to spend the OpEx instead and right. want to do subscription, then I want to go into, you know, one of these hyperscaler worlds. And that's what we're doing with some customers today, helping them with their workloads and migration tools to move out of their data center and into, let's say, like an Oracle, like an Oracle Cloud VMware solution. Um, we, can't, we can't ignore the news article that came out, I think last week or a week and a half ago, where I forget the company that announced this, but some big enterprise company, you know, I want to say Alamo or some somebody like that, they were a rental car company or something. It was not tech, I don't think, but but did some analysis and decided to move it all back on-prem, right? And their yearly savings, and maybe it was a three-year savings, I don't know, but they moved off of cloud back to Brem and uh, they were saving $450 million a year, right? Where they just decided that they, they wanted to come back, right? They wanted to go back on-prem. And that's the beautiful beautiful thing about, you know, the multi-cloud systems is your data centers are still part of that cloud offering. And if you want to start migrating X amount of workloads, some percentage, whatever, just to manage costs, you can also do that. Yeah, I have a big mantra, and that's why I say that the on-prem data center isn't going away. Uh, there's a mantra we've had where it's the right workload, the right place at the right time. So today, maybe your workload, that application, and I'll, I'll talk in terms of the application, does it belong, belong in my on-prem data center? Because maybe I'm communicating, there's still a lot of, I'll call them legacy services, whether it's mainframe or other IBM I type services that you, know, you need to have those applications communicate with. But maybe you're redeveloping those apps into native cloud, well, now maybe I want to move my VMware application into one of the hyperscaler environments to be near that native cloud application.
but still have my on-prem environment. So I don't see the on-prem environment going away ever because there are some financial reasons. Again, you might want to spend CapEx as a company and not spend OpEx. It really will depend on the company and and how they want to spend their own spend their capital. Yeah. Yeah. So they want to do it on application development or they want to spend it on infrastructure and run that infrastructure a long time. Yeah, I'm a big CapEx fan myself, right? I look at OpEx and I go, oh my I know, but I like to invest so that I can keep my OpEx footprint small so that uh, when you when you look at like how much dollars do I need every quarter, I can adjust that dollars way down and still still run because I've already made the, the CapEx investments, right? And so yep. I I tend to like that, but other people love the idea of expense it as you go, right? Like kind of scenario. Yeah, there is that. And there's also, hey, do OpEx when, again, I maybe I like in my other example, I don't want to spin up a data center in some other location. I would just rather do OpEx and, and run that application, a small application in a data center that I don't normally, you know, I'm not located in. Another country, perhaps. So right? that, that's where it really makes a beautiful multi-cloud capability, right? On-prem merged in with some some areas that where I just needed to spin up something really fast. Uh, and that's a lot of the feedback I get from our customers too. It's like, hey, Steve, I really like your, I, I was trying to get some negative feedback about Cloud Director Service and I was having a hard time actually getting negative feedback. They're like, Steve, it saves me money and I'm able to spin up and test things what I want to uh, very easily. And then I'm also able to run it in production very easily. So it works. It's doing exactly what I wanted it to do. And you guys are expanding into these different multi-cloud environments. As I expand into multi-cloud, you're doing exactly what I needed to do. And so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there, there is something friendly uh, about just having your VMs. <laughs> like, it's like a, I feel like it's my safety blanket, you know, where I, I go, okay, and I still got VMs. It's all something yeah. they already know. We've got a lot of training. We've got a lot of practice around operating VMs and how to, you know, how to run things efficiently. And now I'm just adding that cloud element into it versus, you know, having to do a lift and shift of the whole new processes, new it's like, I, I get that. One question for you is um, what, are people saying are the challenges to this? Do you get kind of like the, you know, when they when they go, well, I, I heard earlier today, like some of the big, big customers, like it's all about getting training to uh, understand the cloud aspects of things, right? That the director enables the the management of it, but it's like understanding the the details of cloud cloud specifics. What what are you? What's your experience there? So the. There are a couple of pieces. The IT admins that are running, that, that are becoming that cloud provider to the end user, they're the ones that are going to have to learn, okay, well, how do I connect this into an OCVS environment? How, do, how does Oracle work? How does Oracle work compared to Azure environment? So the connectivity between maybe my data center to those Oracle data centers or those Azure data centers, that's where there's going to be a little bit of a difference. The good news to the end user that is using like a cloud director, to them, mm -hmm. they no impact at all. They don't know. It's, because we've abstracted out the, the entire infrastructure layer to them. And they just see it as another virtual data center that might say, well, this one's the Google virtual data center that's running vSphere. And you know, this one's running, this is my on-prem data center. This one's the VMC on AWS data center. And so I can just deploy my workloads very easily into any one of those environments. Uh, but the, the learning experience, though, is going to be for them the core IT admin group that is using it. So they're the ones that would be like, okay, I need to learn a little bit about Oracle and their OCI, right? Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. Uh, and you know, how does that environment work? And, and then how do I also not, because the beauty of running, let's say with an OCVS, uh, running your VMware VMs there is that you wanna tie that in to the native cloud services. That's really something I push really hard so that you get a, the best of both worlds. And, it, and it, it might be as simple as, hey, I got object storage that's running in the native cloud. Well, I want to tie that object storage to my VMware environment. You know, I want to tie in Oracle native uh, database services to my VMware VMs and applications that are running. And so I can leverage the Oracle infrastructure and what Oracle does great with databases and then run what's great with my applications that are running within a VMware environment and tie those two together. And you could do that on a per tenant basis. Uh, you know, or the even individual IT shop can develop their own shared services amongst those tenants and leverage the backend native cloud services. And you could do that within any one of these different cloud environments. So it's 
that's where I see the the big growth this year for me is building out these solutions because I like to call them solutions where it's like, okay, I, we've enabled vSphere to run, you know, with Cloud Director Service and you got a cloud environment. Great, you got two applications, Cloud Director Service running with OCVS. But what about everything else? What about disaster recovery type solutions? What about my monitoring? What about my backups that I still need running those environments? And to me, that's like the big, that's how you really well round a, a solution that people are used to building in their data center that they kind of want to mimic at least that same type of solution running in these different VMware environments across the globe. Yeah, I, I guess there's also just like how to get comfortable with that you've got all the box checked, right? Because it is a little bit scary when you you know start to set this up. How does it operate? How am I backing it up? How do I have all the components? Do I have all the network right? Do I have security right? You know, like mm -hmm. is this going to implement that? What, what's the average length of a, a typical engagement? Or um, you know, how much do you get exposed to? Like you know, if we have the Enterprise 2000, you probably get projects that come across. You're not actually implementing, but your product. Do you ever get called into some of these to talk about the products? And do you get to see roadmap, kind of like what is the roadmap for some of these enterprises that are doing these projects? Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said sometimes the sales process could be very long just because the customers want to test things. They have their own financial reviews. They're comparing different versions. They'll compare different VMware products together, right? So say, hey, I want to, there's a customer right now. We're working with them. They're testing uh, CDS with uh, Azure VMware solution and, you know, versus VMware Cloud and AWS and, you know, what makes the most sense for them. So they want to compare and contrast uh, different offerings. And it, and it's and it's not just comparing VMware products to each other because they're all, they're going to be very similar, right? It's, it's VMware, it's vSphere, it runs. Um, it, it's the native cloud aspects of it too. And, um, you know, what, what parts of the world. And then again, the business contracts that they have. So a lot of these deals that I've seen, uh, you know, if it's a larger company, company, and this is what I'm thinking of now, you know, they have 20,000 plus virtual machines. We've been talking with them for nine months now. Uh, we have a couple of those. And then some of the smaller ones where, hey, I just wanted to spin up three ESX hosts. Okay, that, that they just were talking for a couple of weeks. They ran a proof of concept for 30 days. They said, okay, this is, yep, this is what we're used to running when, you know, in our on-prem data center. Let's, we'll run it here now in, in uh, OCVS. All right, you know, it's just the 30 days to test it out and then they then they go and purchase as they need to. I assume that we have a partner ecosystem that's also, you know, you know, behind selling to the mid-tier, the commercial tier, right, in this space, right? And I would assume maybe even those will pick up a little bit. Well, maybe not because it's multi-cloud and commercial vendors probably just choose one cloud and go with that. I'm not sure that maybe any of that. No, I mean, I mean, I work for a service provider. So the interesting thing about being a service provider is uh those tenants that come in, your end customer that comes in, they say, you know what, I'm an Azure shop. I need you to support me in Azure. And another one comes and says, I'm an Amazon shop. I need you to support me in Amazon. I'm an Oracle shop, but you better support me in Oracle. So those service providers out there, they're already extremely multi-cloud oriented, right? They're they're using really the four, the four I'll call them the four big uh, hyperscalers that we have, that we engage with, uh, Google, you know, Microsoft, Oracle, and, and Amazon, that, you know, they all have to leverage like a VMware environment. So again, when you're, think about it like this, when you're using Cloud Director software, this tenant, I've enabled them to see uh, OCVS, Google, and on-prem. The other tenant, maybe they have Azure and just on-prem. So you can separate it at the tenant level using the Cloud Director software, what each one of these tenants are able to get access to and it's that service provider in that case that is buying the equipment from the hyperscaler and making the cloud environment and using the cloud director service layered on top to enable clouds for each one of these different end user tenants. So when we host the director service, um, it's just on our, we just do it ourselves. We don't, we don't give people choices of where they, where they're actually running that. We just do, deliver that and we, we, we cloud service where whatever cloud vendor we're choosing to use to offer that maybe AWS, maybe our own. I don't know how we deliver that. Yeah. It, it runs in quote our VMware cloud and it's uh, runs in different locations throughout the world. So we have it set up, you know, to cover North America, Europe, Asia, Pacific. Yeah. So we're, we're spread pretty well throughout the world right now. Is Cloud Director, uh, do we sell this an on-prem offering as well, or is it? There is. Yeah, yep. there is. There, there's an on-prem offering. So that's just VMware Cloud Director. Uh, right. And so you would install that into your data center. 
the yeah. cloud director service is the SaaS offering. So it's the SaaS right. version. So instead of you running it, we're running it for you and we're connecting into your environment. And, and I, I would assume that, you know, people that are trying to really build out cloud services would probably go towards the cloud service over time just because then it's just another, you know, another thing they don't have to worry about, right? And, you know, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, in one of those areas, because the tinkering is using the software. The tinkering isn't, hey, I'm running this, the cloud yeah. director appliances in my data center, because they're just kind of appliances that are there. You still have to do some work to build out the environment, but uh, one, you know, one of those feedback items I got from my customer was, well, instead of me spending days kind of building out a new VMware Cloud Director environment, Steve, I spun up a new Cloud Director instance in 15 minutes, and I got it connected into my my new Oracle OCVS environment in you know in an hour, right? I, I was able to start testing workloads, you know, a little bit over an hour later. So, and and that's somebody that already knows that environment, already knows the Cloud Director and how to use OCVS but that's what they're able to do, right? They're able to spin up these environments quickly and then destroy them quickly too if they don't need it any longer. Yeah, it's like when we went with our, our community platform, we about three years ago just decided we were not gonna run on-prem anymore. And we just, we bit the bullet and went and migrated all the SaaS from the vendor, right? And the beautiful thing is the vendor is pretty good at running it, right? Like, they, you know, like, and uh, and so there is a lot of benefits. You got some negatives, right? But you get a lot of benefits from a vendor who specializes in running this 15 other times to other companies. And right, they're just running ours. Other experience. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, and, and then uh, it's the global approach too, right? So. Uh, with Cloud Director making a connection, we do need to have a global footprint. So instead, again, you having to spin up in systems in some other location in the world, you just you know just spin it up in Cloud Director service, and you just point, hey, I want to run this out of uh, Tokyo. Okay, great. We'll spin up a Cloud Director service instance in Tokyo and have it connect to your uh, different Asia Pacific region. You know whether it's an Oracle, Google environment, etc. In in that part of the world. And it, and it 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 seems like VMware actually has gotten pretty good at this. You know, five years ago when we did vCloud Air and we had a bunch of hokey cloud things that we were trying to do and we really didn't understand it very well, right? Like I, I would say that, you know, make me nervous running anything, letting VMware run any of my, my stuff. Nowadays, like VMware is getting to be a tier one cloud service provider providing our our apps, you know, and our our software in a cloud environment, and and I would say that we're we're accepted now as a cloud offering vendor, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, what you're seeing is now a, a lot of the sassification, I guess, if you will, yeah. of a lot of our different VMware products. So those products that you would normally would have spun up yourself in your data center, we're just running it as a SaaS offering, but you're still managing it, right? You just have that connection into you where you're located, where your vSphere environment is located. And now you're, you know, nobody, you know, it's, there's no real benefit to kind of running it yourself, right. uh, you know, and trying to manage it and make sure it's up and running as opposed to using it. The benefit is using the software in your normal everyday basis. And, Unless, of course, you're like the government or something where you have a really on-prem, everything has to be bolted in and on-prem and, you know, you know like there's not even, you're, you're using sneakerware across the networks. There's reasons. Yeah. Sovereign cloud, right? right. So that's where the sovereign cloud kicks in. And that's why I really don't think, you know, you're going to, we're going to see ever a going away of on-prem type deployments because you're going to have that sovereign cloud uh, need, especially where you see that is in Europe a lot, right? They're very interested in the sovereign cloud solutions. So the the Oracle expansion, you know, we had Oracle in the title here when we when we we booked you. The Oracle is just because now we're offering this as a we can manage your services in the Oracle cloud. I would assume. Correct, and you know, just to touch on that though a little bit. So there's always some little nuances or differences between some of the different uh, environments or those hyperscaler partners, right? What do they do maybe a little bit differently, and. Uh, what what they do in the Oracle side is they they almost treat it as if it's running in your data center. You get to tinker so much with that or OCVS environment if you want to, you can, and you can you can keep the version levels of the software, you know, static if you wanted to for quite a while, and maybe you're ma having that match with your on-prem environment too, right? You still want to try to keep those as supported versions, right? You don't want to go out of support because that makes your life a little bit more difficult. Um, but, but you're able to do what you want to do with these environments. And, you know, you could tie in, you know, NAS type software or I'm sorry, NAS storage into those environments. So 
What I see a lot lately, especially with people looking at an Oracle environment, is to do this, you know, DR type solutions into the hyperscaler. And the reason why is because one, DR, where everybody hates disaster recovery. It's just an insurance policy that no one ever wants to pay for. Well, I can make it really cheap. I can spin up just a couple of servers to kind of get that initial footprint running for my disaster recovery, have a whole bunch of NAS storage connected to it from behind. So I'm doing my replication as DR from my on-prem data center into that OCVS environment. And then if I do have a disaster, I can spin up servers very quickly. So it's a, a really great way to uh, keep my disaster recovery solution lower cost, but still be very responsive for a DR solution when I do have a disaster. So, you know, that's a little bit of a nuance. I think that Oracle has a great, um, you know, it's a nice little advantage there, I would say, uh, and be able to let you, you know, really play with that environment from a, uh, an administrator role type perspective. So if you didn't need more control over it, you have that ability to do what you need to with that environment and still tie in some of those other cloud services from Oracle into that environment. Right, right. Um, one of the things we usually talk about a little bit is as we come into momentum season and explore um, any sessions that are going to be covering a director and direct, you know, obviously uh, managing services across your clouds using director. Have you guys submitted any papers? Are you going to be at Explore this year? Uh, what's your outbound strategy for the rest of uh, 2023? Yeah, so my goal is to uh, get uh, accepted into Explore, right? So right now there's a submission process and uh, I think everything is due next week, Friday. So we're submitting our proposals for Explore. I was in Explore last year uh, where we had a session. So I'm looking to go to Explore again this year and really tout more of that, that multi-cloud capabilities. Uh, there's some other interesting things. I really probably shouldn't talk about them. They're in our incubation labs. Uh, that we're looking to do some work there that we'll be announcing more at Explore uh, this year, uh, assuming we get accepted and we better get accepted. Um, and so, yeah, uh, and let further me, enabling multi-cloud and interoperability. I got, I got the admin cons here. I'll just accept you right now. There we oh, go. Oh, there you go, man. I didn't, know, I didn't know I had to talk to just you, Eric. That's great. Yeah, that's it. I run it all. All, all good. <laughs> Like, yeah, so you got some papers uh, that you're submitting, so that'll, that'll be good. Um, and where do you live? Where are you located? So I'm outside of Chicago. I ah, very nice. Chicago. Very nice. Um, the, my son goes to University of Chicago, and the VMUG board Smart meeting is going to be in Chicago. And so I will be in Chicago a couple times this year. So it is. Uh, All right. I've been, I've been told it's been wet and cold right uh, we, we've yeah. had a cold march we've had a yeah i would say colder than normal. spring has not arrived yet spring has not arrived in chicago so to get back to explore it's not that bad a trip for you you just hop on a plane and you can come to the pinball museum and uh, hang out with us and uh, uh, yeah it sounds party. like a party yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to get you there for sure and uh, make that happen. So you've got uh, Explore on the ticket. Do you guys do any of the cloud vendor shows as well? Like, you know, ABS reInvent or others where you're, you know, now we're becoming a true SaaS provider. Do we get to checkbox any other SaaS places? Yeah, well, I'm hoping to, right? We'll see if the, the travel opens up a little bit more this year, like you were, you were talking earlier Oh, um, you know, yeah. where, you know, if we can get, get moving to other places, but yeah, otherwise we want to get the roadshow going more again and yeah, uh, yeah, be yeah. able to do some more travel. Sock puppets. You just do sock puppets on zoom, right? That <laughs> you, just, you know, get that going. Uh, there you go. Good. What else is uh, like, so in the, uh, you know, as you look into the next year with regards to, you know, uh, be cloud direct, be cloud director and the technologies, where, what are your hopes and where are you guys trying to go with the product without obviously, you know, being under NDA, uh, where do you think you're going and what excites you? Uh, I think right now building out the, the solution set more is what really excites me. Um, you know, taking not only other VMware products, but other third-party products and tying them into these solutions uh, again, across different multi-cloud type environments, right? That's really our goal. Uh, how do we help a customer and build out the reference architecture, do a lot of testing in our own labs to show mm -hmm. that, hey, these different products, they all interact well with each other. They're all supported to interact with each other. Um, you know, that, because that's really what our customers are looking for, right? They want in solutions that work 
whether it works in their on-prem environment or the GCV environment or the OCVS environment. They want these solutions to be very simple uh, and expandable to different cloud environments because when they're able to do that, they're able to enable that for their own end users that are using those environments. Yeah, that's so true. they can give a very consistent experience across all these different multi-cloud environments. And that's that's my goal this year is to enable that consistent experience across different cloud environments and really reduce the complexity of having different clouds. Yeah, it's uh, interesting because we were talking uh, in a couple of guys yesterday about chat GPT, right? And the fact that chat GPT can write really good code now and that they've managed to somehow harvest must be all the code bases on GitHub, right? And then now if you ask ChatGPT, build me an app that does X, Y, Z, it'll go write pretty good code. Well, it, you know, you wonder how that could be done. And the answer is there's a finite number of apps that people are asking for, right? And once you get, figure out how to write them, you could just rewrite them, you know, that, that thing uses them. And to your point of there's only X number of big apps that you're running or doing, a lot of enterprises use them. And if you can actually get those bundled and certified and available in a catalog, a director can manage and deploy to different clouds. You know, yeah. actually there's a finite number, maybe it's 10,000, maybe it's 6,000, but it's not an insurmountable, um, strategy to build these things and get them to the point where you can just go deploy them easily in a multi-cloud environment and have it work right and then if you do that you've simplified the problem right yeah absolutely and you know the key to that too is that the infrastructure underneath is a vSphere based environment right so that's where if your application runs on a virtual machine today in your on-prem data center it's going to run in any one of these different uh multi-cloud locations too yeah, that, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, good. Um, okay, where do people learn more about uh, you or the product? Do you guys have a blog? Uh, where do you do the bulk of your marketing? So if people wanted to go pay attention, where would they? What would they do? Yeah, you can. Uh, well, you can go to the main corporate uh, VMware.com site. Uh, look up the Cloud Director Service product in the product list. Uh, that's one area. It's the the cloud solutions area, and what we have there then is, you know, that's that's the main launch point, right? Under there is our blogs, our, our reference architecture, and how we, yep, right. all the resources, uh, admins, uh, documents, uh, and how to how to run and set up uh, cloud director service and with your different cloud uh, environments that you're interested in. Nice. So so VMware.com. Uh, look up Cloud Director and look at the resource page. We're, we're, yep. We've been talking to the VMware uh, people because the podcasts now are on podcast.vmware.com and they get keywords and so with the titles and such. And we want to actually list the podcast search now with like vCloud Director in the resource section of vCloud Director so that if you go to the resources, there'll be a podcast you know search link and show you the podcasts that have talked about vCloud Director and this podcast should show up in that list. We haven't built that yet, but that's one of the things that we're talking to them about so that not only all the community assets and blogs are listed there, but also you know a podcast list. Right? Yeah, just make sure there's Cloud Director and there's Cloud Director Service. So uh, Cloud Director yeah. Service is the multi-cloud capability. Cloud right, Director right. on-prem only. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cloud Director Service. Yep. Uh, so that's 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 good to know. Good to know. All right. As we come up to the top of the hour, um, I usually like to ask um, because we are. Uh, if you want to see what Steve looks like, we stream this on uh, YouTube.com/slash VBarbecueVA. V barbecue, V B A R B E C U E. Uh, you can go there, V barbecue, uh, see what Steve looks like. And then we always ask people, Steve, you're out of Chicago. Do they make barbecue pizza down, you know, in Chicago? I know we got the deep dish, but like, I don't know if they do. What's your favorite barbecue? Do you ever get to barbecue? And if so, what do you like? So, so barbecue is not necessarily big in the Chicago area, right? If you want steak, you come to Chicago. You want. I'll, I'll I'll put it out there. Chicago style pizza, the best pizza in the world. Of course. However, I will tell you the best barbecue I ever had, believe it or not, was outside of Boston. No, there you go. Now people might laugh. Okay, yeah. It was at a little nondescript place called Texas Barbecue. Now I happened to be traveling there with EMC, so going back old school, I was looking at a, we were buying a V block, mm -hmm. and so I was with the VMC rep, and he was. Hey, you know what? He's from Texas, right? Talked about his big smoker that he has and everything else, how he smoked this food and it was great. 
So we go to a seafood restaurant. He's like, he sees his Texas barbecue sign across the street. He's like, oh, I'm going to go there. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't see him at all for dinner. He, he never showed up. He comes right at the end. He's like, okay, guys, I know you just ate, but you got to come over here across the street. He's like, I'm from Texas. This guy was grew up 20 miles from me. So I trust him. You're right. I trust the barbecue that he made. So it was all this. It wasn't good enough. The guy was from Texas. It had to be from his area of Texas. And so we go there and he, this owner brings out a giant platter of brisket. And I have to tell you, it was probably the best food I ever ate. And I was already full from a dinner. And we devoured this entire, you know, giant two foot wide platter of brisket that he had smoked. And it was amazing, right? It just melted in your mouth. It had this smoky flavor, smoky smell, you know, great, just a great sense of a smell and flavor to this brisket. So, and I could never remember what this place was. It was just some little Texas barbecue, little, little restaurant that, uh, had the best barbecue I ever had. No sauce. No, no barbecue yes. sauce. Didn't need right. any of that. This this food was just, it was perfect. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, if you look at different regions, different barbecue, uh, the center of California, mid, mid-California down, uh, got a lot of cattle ranches there. They'll like tell you, no, you don't use any sauce, right? When you're barbecuing, you smoke it and cook it and that's it, right? Like you don't need any smoke. You just let the meat do the talking with the smoke and the and the wood and the uh, mesquite or whatever. It's a, it, it can be amazingly good, right? And uh, yeah. And it is an individual thing. So you're right in the sense that it's just a person that's gotten really skilled, right? That then can just make some incredible barbecue. So yeah. And this this EMC rep who was like, he's like, yep, it's pretty good stuff. And the owner's like, yep. You know, because we th- were like, wow, this is the best food I ever had. And they're just just shook his head. Yep. Yep. Nice. That confident, that confidence that he knew how to cook his brisket. Very good. So uh Steve Lord, are you on Twitter? Uh, yes. Uh, All right. I, I want to say Lord VMware is where you'd find me. Lord at Lord VMware. That's a great yeah. one. I love that. I love that. I'm going to have to go give you a follow. Go give Lord VMware a follow. Maybe he'll hang out on Twitter a little bit more because when I said it, he kind of paused and went, ah, do I, am I on Twitter? Like, you yep. let me see. But uh, great that you're on the show. Great that uh, people can go give you a follow. Give uh Lord at Lord VMware, L O R D V M W A R E. I would assume a follow and uh, say hello to him. As as always, uh, great to have you come on uh, for our lunchtime podcast and talk to us about V VMware V Cloud Director Service and uh, you know tell tell us the lay of the land. It's certainly exciting, a lot of momentum, um, and uh, I hope you get your session. All right, thanks, Eric. Appreciate yeah, it. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, we'll be back again next week, as always, usually 12 to 1 on Wednesdays. Feel free to drop in. Thanks a lot. Bye, everyone.